Should America's electoral system be classified as critical infrastructure? And the security threat posed by hearing aids? These stories are more coming up in the ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro. Hackers tied to the Russian intelligence service are suspected of breaching computers at the Democratic National Committee, its congressional campaign organization, and the campaign of the party's presidential candidate, Hillary Clinton. Allegations the Russian government denies. And Moscow is fighting back against accusations. It's behind those attacks. ISMG Managing Editor for Security and Technology, Jeremy Kirk, explains. Russia often loses the public relations battle when it comes to hacking. It, along with China, are blamed so often for intrusions into Western organizations that it's almost a foregone conclusion when discussing sophisticated cyberspying. The country has been implicated into the hacks of the Democratic National Committee, Hillary Clinton's campaign, and the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. While private security companies say the hacks show strong Russian involvement, no definitive evidence has emerged to link the activity to the government. Faced with the accusations, Russia has taken a swing back, saying it too has been the victim of a coordinated hacking campaign. The country's Federal Security Service, known as the FSB, has said it discovered malicious software that infected 20 organizations, including public authorities, scientific, and military institutions. It did not say who or what country it thinks may be responsible. Alexei Miraviv, head of the Social Sciences and Security Department at Curtin University in Perth, says it's likely the first one of Russia's security services that has released such detailed information. Normally, the agencies are quiet. So clearly the Russians wants to, want to demonstrate that they're the victim, as much of a victim of, of a cyber, uh, cyber warfare as anyone else. But having said that, uh, obviously it's important to, to highlight that Russia has one of the world's most advanced cyber offensive capabilities. The Democratic Party's problems have been documented by Western computer security companies based on primary research from CrowdStrike, which investigated the Democratic National Committee compromise. In recent years, Western vendors have released detailed reports on so-called advanced persistent threat groups. It's an invented category of hackers used to separate cybercriminal activity from electronic intelligence gathering by nation-states. The reports have a strong Western tilt since they draw on technical data from cyber attacks seen against those companies' customer bases. So it's not surprising that traditional adversaries of the West, such as Russia and China, are prime suspects, since presumably U.S. intelligence agencies don't try to infect U.S. companies. Jeffrey Carr, CEO at the cybersecurity firm Taya Global, says Russia and China don't publish that kind of research, which gives a lopsided view of state-sponsored hacking. You only see ones from certain countries, and you, you see zero from other countries. This really, to me, points out a serious flaw in how we are mapping the the threat landscape. Carr believes that private security companies haven't shown enough evidence to link the Democratic Party hackers with the Russian government. But the FSB announcement may be a sign that Russia is not going to be as quiet about intrusions it notices, particularly ones it suspects that come from Western governments, in an effort to show that hacking goes both ways. It makes perfect sense to me that this would be a tit-for-tat sort of disclosure by the FSB. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. Whether or not the Russians are behind the DNC, DCCC, and Clinton campaign breaches, such incidents raise concerns about the integrity of the United States electoral system. This week, Homeland Security Secretary Jay Johnson suggested the federal government should consider designating the U.S. electoral process as critical infrastructure to give the voting system greater protection against cyber attacks. The U.S. government has designated 16 sectors as critical infrastructure, such as financial services, healthcare, IT, defense, energy, and transportation. 
The government considers assets and systems of those sectors so vital to the U.S. that their incapacitation or destruction would have a debilitating effect on security, the economy, public health, and safety. Can the same be said about our electoral system? Here's Larry Clinton. He's chief executive of the industry group, the Internet Security Alliance. The insecurity of our electoral system and the potentiality for vote fraud that occurs in our current system is a fundamentally challenging issue for us. It's a matter of trust in the reliability of this system. Remember your history? On election night of 1948, a Chicago Tribune headline blared, Dewey defeats Truman, a reference to Republican candidate Thomas Dewey and the incumbent Democrat Harry Truman. And everybody woke up in the morning because the polls had been wildly wrong. And we said, ooh, Truman beat Dewey. Isn't that great? Imagine if that happened in 2016. And all of a sudden, a candidate who was behind by 8 to 10 points in all the polls turned out to have won. I'm not sure that the country would respond exactly the same way uh, as we did then. I'm not sure that there wouldn't be a lot of people who would be looking at the Russians and, and saying, did, did you screw around with this thing? Designating the electoral system as critical infrastructure wouldn't guarantee its security. What makes securing the electoral system formidable is that the federal government does not control voting in the U.S. Those responsibilities reside in more than 9,000 state, county, and city jurisdictions that collect and count votes. Securing the electoral system is a daunting task that might need the additional designation of critical infrastructure. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. The IT skills gap is a global one. How bad is it? Intel Security and the Think Tank Center for Strategic and International Studies surveyed 775 IT decision makers in eight countries. And the survey finds that more than 80% of respondents said their organizations struggle with a shortage of staff and cybersecurity skills. To discuss the skills shortage, I'm joined by ISMG Executive Editor, Marianne Kolbesak-McGee. Hey, Marianne. Hey, Eric. Why is the cybersecurity skills gap so wide? There are many reasons why the skills gap exists. Mostly it's just a shortage of people with the right knowledge. But another reason is an imbalance of security skills found in many enterprises. Simone Petrella is Chief Cyber Strategy Officer at CyberVista, and she analyzed the survey results. For many, many years, when you think about when we do consider security, the focus has been on defending our perimeter. It's like defending the walls of the castle. Skill sets that are actually required as you think through cybersecurity today require significantly more advanced levels of data analysis, technology skills, and technical analysis and understanding of malware because those things have become more sophisticated as attackers. How should organizations address this imbalance? One way to narrow the skills gap is to identify current IT employees who have skills that are components of cybersecurity jobs. Take network architects. They understand how everything in an IT system works together. They'll have a good understanding that when things do break down, where, where they went wrong. And that kind of know-how is critical for a key IT security position, such as incident response specialist Simone Petrella. When you look at an IT professional and you also compare it to some of the results of the study, the skills that are called out as far as what prepares students to enter the industry, the most effective ways that were identified were first 
hands-on experience. And I would posit that IT professionals do have a significant amount of hands-on experience, at least in some facets of what is required in order to make the jump into cybersecurity. Still, this doesn't sound cheap. There's got to be additional training to help these converts to cybersecurity to gain the added skills to make the transition as well as pay them higher salaries. That's right. The survey shows that in the U.S., IT security specialists earn a 9% premium over IT specialists. And that premium is even higher in nations such as Japan and Australia. And Petrella suggests throwing money, targeted money, at the problem might pay dividends. Those countries that take cybersecurity the most seriously and invest in that workforce and invest in the issue writ large, whether it's through the regulations, whether it's through actual need to invest at the government level or an educational program, are the ones that are the best prepared to deal with cybersecurity incidents. Looks like governments and enterprises will need deeper pockets. Yeah, I guess so. Okay, thanks, Marian. You're welcome, Eric. Finally. Another threat from the Internet of Things, this time Internet-enabled hearing aids. In his latest blog, my ISMG colleague Matt Schwartz asks, what happens when Internet-enabled hearing aids enter the workplace? As with smartphones, the devices would be a natural target for attackers. That's because they could be exploited and used to facilitate remote surveillance, and that would allow hackers to hear what the wearer hears. Schwartz covered the keynote address delivered by Phil Reitinger at the just-concluded ISMG Fraud and Breach Prevention Summit in New York. Reitinger is a former DHS Deputy Undersecretary for Cybersecurity, and he contends the Internet-enabled hearing aid would create risks for any such device wearer who works for an organization with access to classified or sensitive information. Without appropriate safeguards being put in place, Reitinger claims we risk a future in which attackers could perpetrate targeted breaches with little risk of their attacks being spotted or traced. Scary, isn't it? That's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Eric Chabro. Catch you next time.